0: Welcome to the Everathlete Podcast, where we discuss performance in life and sport. I'm your host, Dr. Matt Smith, and I'm a coach to elite athletes, CEOs, and everyday humans. In this show, we discuss performance training, longevity, and stories for personal growth. Before we dive into the show today, I want to remind you of the important role that you play in the success and growth of this show. If you enjoy the content that we're bringing through these episodes, please subscribe to the show, share it with your friends, and if you can, leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. What's up and welcome to the episode. Today we're joined by a legendary guest. Her name is Hillary Allen, who is an elite professional ultra runner and endurance athlete. But not only that, Hillary is also an inspirational speaker, a coach, a teacher, and the author of her autobiographical book Out and Back, which, if you haven't read that one, I strongly encourage you to do so. It is a must read. Today, Hillary and I cover a lot of ground together. We talked through her current training and competition in elite ultra running and off-road cycling, and a few of the injuries that she's currently navigating as she gets back to full health and competition. We also talked through her return from a near-death experience when she fell over 150 feet off the side of a mountain during a trail race in Norway back in 2017. She and I discussed that near-fatal accident, her long road of recovery, and all of the lessons that she brought back with her from her journey. Hillary's life has been nothing short of amazing, and in our conversation today, she shares so much wisdom on life, competition, vulnerability, and perseverance. This conversation is one for the books. Let's dive in.
1: But yeah, I think I'm going to continue to break up my year, um with gravel bike races, mountain bike races, and, um, running races. Like, I think it's just like way, I think it's just better cool. for me as an athlete, like mentally, but also just, it's funny. Cause I haven't been running that long and well right now, just cause of this like injury that I'm dealing with, but I have been like my ascent times and my, um, like, some of these runs, like, they're actually really similar to when I was, like, running a lot. And I think it has a lot to do with just, like, the, the crossover from mountain biking
0: mm-hmm. and
1: just, like, riding my bike uphill.
0: <laughs> have you been riding your bike throughout the entire recovery process with this
1: have, current only, injury? Yeah, I only had to take, like, honestly, maybe, like, a week off.
0: Yeah, the clean-outs... It's not, I mean, compared to what you've experienced historically, the cleanouts are much faster. Yeah. As long as you're careful with the rehab process early Mm -hmm. on and you're working with somebody that, you know, makes sure that they have guardrails up for you, it's, there's a lot that you can do. Yes. There's a lot of green lights with that sort of stuff. And it's just kind of a slow build back into running, but it is, it is fairly quick.
1: That was, was the hard part though, is cause like I was so capable and felt like I was like actually training. Like I was training 30 hours a week probably. But I couldn't run, hmm. like so it was and like you know I would feel so strong on the bike, but then like it's just the difference with like the eccentric loading and like the things like that for running. Pounding's yeah, so different. And the like, yeah, it's just like there's just a clear weakness on that on that left side. So that hmm. was that was actually really hard mentally, but I was trying to ignore it, and be like, wait, okay, just focus on what you can do. It's fine. <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, and over the years, it yeah. seems like you've probably gotten a PhD in focusing on the green lights. Yes. Which.
1: But it's still, honestly, even though I would consider myself, like, an expert, heck, like, I mean, like, I wrote a book on it, basically, on, like, recovery and, like, you know, mental fortitude, Um, it, it's hard.
0: Has it gotten harder as it's gone
1: along? Yeah, to be honest. <laughs> okay. Because, um, this, and this one, like, just this, this one hit me really hard because it's, like, a big fear of mine is like what my mobility will look like. You know, as as a pro athlete, like you ask a lot of your body. Like it's, you know, it's you ask a lot of it. It's like you you're kind of beating it up every day, mm-hmm. and um, I want to be able to do sport for a for a long time. Like it's just it's like how I express like myself. You know, yeah, and. So, this injury was really difficult because, you know, it's kind of in this cycle. Like, the biggest predictor of injury is, like, a pre-existing injury. And I had a pretty big fall, Mm -hmm. like, six years ago. And, you know, my body was changed from it. So, I have to, like, you know, keep on taking care of it. But, like, I feel like I was – I'm still, like, competing at a very high level. So, I'm walking that tightrope of, like, being in super good shape versus being injured. And – this one was just super hard because it, it makes, it's hard every time to, like, I feel like after you, like, you have to put on armor every time I'm injured and, like, figure out a way to keep kind of, like, keep going and persevering. And although I do have a lot of self-belief and, like, um, I'll bet on myself every day and I have a, like, a strong drive and, like, I want to recover and get back out there. I still have a hunger to compete it's just incredibly difficult, and like this one, just felt more depressing almost because I didn't know. It's it is. It takes a lot out of me every time it happens, and it's like you have to go. At least I go pretty dark because I think about my my mobility and is it worth it to keep pushing? And like, is does this meet? Does this is mean that I'm going to be like, you know, crippled by the time I'm fifty. Like you know, it's like these things that I think about. You know, do I want to keep on um, pursuing this career if it's going to have these, like, potentially devastating effects? And I don't know. I think I can't always see the forest for the trees. Like, I can, especially when you're in it. So this, this time, like, really the gift, and I can kind of see that now as I'm kind of coming out of things and, like, I've had a, like, a been able to kind of compete this year in a different sport. Like it's been also a gift of like, I found cycling maybe like four years ago when I was dealing with some ankle injury recovery stuff, but I hadn't really tried to compete or like feel that competitive vibe from, from cycling or another sport. Um, but this was the first year that I actually tried it. And it's scary. Cause like, you know, I'm an elite runner, but like, I was kind of just like mediocre on the bike. Like, and I wasn't really trying because I didn't really know what to do. And so this is the first time where I really like tried that. And I tried to compete and like do workouts and see if I could like hang with the pros and, you know, race at these, at some of the most competitive races out there. And um, it's been a really, it's been a gift to realize like, okay, my athleticism can carry over, but it's also really cool to see I really wouldn't this sounds this is like so long winded, but I really wouldn't describe myself as like um necessarily like a like a brave person, like a courageous person. Like I don't know, sometimes I like I don't think that
0: you need to because literally everyone else does describe you. Yeah, but this is like,
1: you know, I still get like sometimes I like freak myself out when I'm like living alone in this house and I hear a noise at night, I'm like, ah but like (laughs) you know what I mean? Like, I don't know, but like I am so proud of myself for I think it was really brave this year to, like, kind of go all in on bikes and, like, and to see if I could do it. And I, th- that, I think that's a really hard thing to do because you have to set aside your ego. Like, I know I'm an elite runner and that I, if I'm showing up to a start line healthy, like, I have the potential to win. I don't have that same confidence on a bike, but I know that I have, like, the fitness there But it's, like, it's scary to put yourself out there and try these new things, especially in, like, a crazy race like Unbound, where it's, like, just notoriously gnarly with, like, the conditions and, like, how long it is. And then doing, you know, the Leadville 100 mountain bike race literally after only riding a mountain bike for five, six weeks, you know? It was my fifth mountain bike race ever. And um, I think that takes a certain amount of courage. And I don't think I necessarily, like understood that about myself until like these past six months have almost been like me observing myself growing. And I think that's a really cool thing. Um, and at the beginning of this, like this injury cycle, it was kind of just dark and I didn't really, it felt more depressing and like, Oh, maybe I'm done with sport. You know, maybe I'm done like pursuing this, um, you know, professional athletic career, which I know will come to an end someday, but it's like, I'm not ready for it to do that yet and um yeah there's a few <laughs>
0: a few things in there that I think are really cool one is i think as an elite professional athlete the practice of you know when an opportunity like this presents itself like an injury exiting your wheelhouse and going through the process that you just went through in diving into a new sport that was, you know, in some ways similar, it's an, it's an aerobic sport and right. you know, it's an endurance <laughs> pursuit. Um, but when you exit your wheelhouse and you try something new, I think that you get a window into what a lot of people who are taking up sport for the first time, maybe in their thirties, forties, fifties, sixties go through mm-hmm. and that growth path. And I just think that it's such an honorable thing to do that, because I would imagine that the magnitude of fear that you feel, given the height that you've been in, in the running community, to step out of the running community and step into that vulnerability of, what if you DNF'd every race? You know, yeah. like, I'd be very surprised if you did. But... I thought
1: about it at Ludville. I was like, I don't know if I could do this. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but honestly, that's, I think that, you know, especially with you being such a dynamic person beyond sport, um, which I want to get into more, but- For your writing career, your coaching career, all these different things, stepping out of your wheelhouse and the lessons that come from that, I I think are seeds of growth for those other areas that are so valuable. Um, And additionally, you know, I want to know, what do you need to get out of sport to feel like you don't need to compete anymore?
1: Oh my God, this is, that's like the million dollar question. It is.
0: I don't have a million dollars, but. Shit, I'd come on. I'd love your answer. <laughs> um,
1: well, um and this is something actually that I've thought about a lot, right? Like, there's certain – I think there's certain races that I want to do Um and I want to, like, you know, do better at than, you know, like, UTMB is one of them. I'd like to go back and, like, actually have a good race there. Um, But, you know, I'd actually think I would be pretty content just – being, I know that I'm going to, like, sport doesn't have to be, I don't have to be competing at the elite level to enjoy sport. In fact, like, I got into sport and running in particular just because I loved it. And then kind of the, the whole competition thing came about. So I honestly know that I will be happy being able to do sport, you know, recreationally and, you know, not having to put in, like, huge, huge training weeks. Mm -hmm. Um, I think I know that there's a certain time limit on being uh, an elite and, like, competitive athlete. And I think what I've... I don't think I need anything out, like, out of sport. Like, there are races that I want to do. But, like, I don't need to be the best. I'm content with being a contender and, like, one of the best because I know that that affords a certain balance in my life that makes me happy. And I think there's certain things that I would have to sacrifice to be better that I'm not willing to, for instance, cycling, you know what I mean? Like different sports, Mm -hmm. um, maybe more of the other interests that I have to devote more time to recovery, all, all of this other stuff. But honestly, I think i know i will know when i'm ready to exit like the competitive field um when i no longer feel that drive to kind of keep keep going to keep like achieving things at a high level you know what i mean um, i think i still feel that hunger i still feel that hunger to compete in these like in these kind of intense ways and i think that you know that will change and once that happens i think i'll be ready to kind of walk away from it but i don't like but i don't feel that yet Hmm. and so this is you know and i've experienced that in kind of a pretty forceful way it's like in the accident i didn't know if i was actually going to get back to competing again and i kind of made peace with that that it's like that it'll that there's going to be a time where it comes like where where it ends and i had to be okay with that and even in this like this past six months you know it's like it's kind of like okay, like I know, like this is this will happen. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's I think for for me it's more about like just feeling that drive and that hunger. And if I still have that now, then I'm gonna keep kind of going down this path until it fades. Because I think that's kind of a natural like ebb and flow. And that's also why I have so many other different interests because I under like I want to kind of water those. I don't know, and let those other like parts of my life grow and mm-hmm. not just put all my eggs in one. Basket.
0: Is there anything that you're really excited about diving into deeper once your drive for competition in sport kind of fades or have you even allowed yourself to entertain that?
1: That's a I mean it's a good point. I mean, honestly, coaching is something I really enjoy doing. Um, so it's like having more time for that, like maybe even being able to like show up to these big races and like crew mm-hmm. um because mm-hmm. I don't have as much time for that when i'm when I'm racing and competing, and honestly, like writing more. I'd really like to write a second book, okay, um, I have a few ideas, one of them some of them are really silly, but um, yeah, That's the
0: <laughs> give me one book idea. <laughs> Me. this the most ridiculous this, one. Please.
1: the silly one okay i think every woman has had this idea but i basically want to write a book on like the failed happenings of like dating as an endurance athlete <laughs> i have a lot of good that would stories be
0: a great I have a lot of good stories yeah. that i think a lot of women in the endurance community <laughs> would resonate with be on hilarious. A deep level.
1: yeah i have some pretty inappropriate um, <laughs> uh, t- titles in mind. I'm not telling okay. you.
0: <laughs> we'll save it for the book. Okay. I can't wait for that to
1: come out. Yeah, but on a more serious note, I don't know. I mean, I feel like there's like not a lot. Not I didn't cover everything, obviously, in my like Out and Back book, but I think there's some really cool stuff about mindset, um, even like, you know, transitioning from like w- that basically the, what I had, that huge monologue that I just said is like about like what it means for... To transition and, like, the courage that it takes to, like, go outside of your comfort zone in the realm of sport. Um, And another thing that I was, like, that I've been really contemplating this year is I have a master's degree in neuroscience and physiology. So I'd like to get some – I don't know necessarily if I want to go back to school for counseling, but I'd like to get some sort of Hmm. certificate for coaching, like, life coaching. Like, this is more even outside of sport. You yeah. know, like, how to direct people with, like, big life changes. Because I think I have a lot of experience that in that. And um, I think it, that's something I also talk with my athletes. It's more about, like, the ins and outs of daily life as opposed to, like, let's do this workout to nail this race, you know? Yeah. So.
0: Well, I think there's a good transition into talking about the book. Mm. Because... I've gone through your book almost two times.
1: Oh, I'm so flattered.
0: And I want to thank you for writing that book for a couple reasons. And the first is is kind of what you're touching on right now, which is you do such a great job throughout the book with connecting a lot of the dots that I really wanted to do to connect selfishly. <laughs> Like going through an incredibly traumatic experience, which we'll talk about in a moment. Mm. And then basically the filtration of that and how that experience speaks into an evolution in the way that you view your sport and your life. Mm. And you do that in so many different ways that I thought were beautiful. But I think possibly the part of the book that I resonated with more than any other was um, you're in college at the time you're playing college tennis. And your teammates had convinced you to come to your first party. Yeah. And <laughs> midway through the party. <laughs>
1: Obviously, I'm you're... such a nerd. I'm like, sure, my first party. Well,
0: but the you're at the party. You realize almost immediately that it is not the place for you. Not my scene. You tell your friends that you're going to the bathroom. And you Irish exit so hard out of that party. And I just want to say from... On behalf of the community of Irish Exiters all over the world, yeah, thank you so much. You're
1: welcome. I feel like I am the queen. I still do that. It's I
0: like. We'll never stop.
1: It is the best thing ever because it's like you know I'll say now I could say goodbye to a few people, but like the people that I know, they they know like when I'm like reached a point and it's like okay, Hilly's going to the bathroom. And she's actually <laughs> leaving. Like
0: yeah, well, and I am. I'm very much that way.
1: <laughs> so funny, and I
0: think it's probably uh, some sort of.
1: It's so freeing. People should try it.
0: Yes, absolutely. I think for me, it's like, because I'm so introverted, I just reach this like boiling point where I have to go. I cannot do this anymore. I'm out. And I don't even have the emotional energy to communicate that to anyone. So I just see you later. My wife just, she wants to kill me half the time. So
1: funny. I mean, like, well, my best friend, at first it was like when people... When people didn't understand it, they get mad. Yeah. Or they'd be like, what the heck? Hill, like, you just, like, but then, like, then, you know, out out of the situation, right. Because you reach that point and you're like, okay, like, you can't communicate it. But then after the fact, you're like, I just, this is just, this is just me. This is just I what I need. do this. And then once people know, it's like, they're like, and then it becomes kind of funny. Yeah. Yeah. Well,
0: and I think that it's kind of a stamp or like a, look, I totally get it. If you're offended by Irish zing, it makes sense. <laughs> I get it. No big issue. But what I loved about that part of the book was in in some way, it was like a declaration of who you were mm. and a recognition of like who Hillary Allen was authentically mm-hmm. and still is today. Mm-hmm. And can you tell us a little bit about who Hillary Allen was? Because this is way before the accident in 2017. This is mm. back in college.
1: Yeah. Like
0: who was Hillary before the accident happened in 2017?
1: Yeah. You know, and I've actually done a lot of reflection on this because I think there's certain parts and points in life where you are, like different before and then after. It's like, it's so funny. It's okay. We still do like, you know, BC and AD for like how we tell time. So, like, I like to think of like Hillary uh, BA, like before accident, and then like after accident, A-A. <laughs> Hillary AA. Um, <laughs> but, um, Yeah, you know, in many ways, I think I'm the same. I'm the same person, obviously. Um, But I've just grown a lot. I think before the accident, I was maybe just not as comfortable expressing who I was. I mean, I've always been a science nerd. Like, I was in, you know, grad school. I was in school for, like, 17 years to, like, you know, pursue a PhD. And it was kind of like a running was this expression that allowed me to kind of break free from, from that and like explore another potential career path. Like it's what gave me the courage to, yeah, to, to just to, to like kind of go down this path that was like less traveled. Um, But I think in many ways I was kind of afraid of all these different things that I um, possessed inside of me because like, I've always been an introvert, but that's not always, I can can be the life of the party if I want to. I'm very social, but like I can do that for short periods of time. And then I have to kind of like recharge on my own. And I think like I knew that about myself, but other people didn't. And I was almost afraid of kind of like expressing that. So it would come out in this like, you know, like I would repress it, and then all of a sudden I'd have to be out. So it's like, okay, well, I know I need to leave, so I'm going to, like, Irish goodbye, this thing, because, like, other people, I was kind of almost, like, afraid of, like, the judgment, right? Mm -hmm. And then it became, like, this funny thing. They're like, oh, this is just something that Hillary does. So it gave me, like, little moments gave me more courage to express myself. But I think, yeah, I would describe myself as incredibly driven, um, goal-oriented, science nerd, um, very athletic. I was playing tennis in college. I had a scholarship to play at a small D3 college in Iowa. Um, and, like, I just cared a lot about my future, like, success in, like, those things that meant something to me. Um, and, you know, like, the... The I've never I've been someone that has a lot of friends, but not a lot of close friends. So it's like the I have like a very small group of like people that are really close to me that really know me. Um, but then, yeah, when kind of that that fall happened, I like to describe it as a way where I possessed all of these different attributes but I, that I didn't know that I had and through this accident and through the recovery it was a way for me to kind of like like uncover them it's almost like i had this like closet full of like these tools that like i didn't really know how to use or like what they were but then throughout the accident like i and the rec- definitely the and the recovery it's like i got to like uncover them and like learn about them and like these are different like attributes that i had all along and mm-hmm. then it's kind of a way for me to like, I've just, i am now like just unapologetic of like, yeah, this is who I am. And it, you might not understand it, but like, this is like, this is the, this is what I need. And this is like, this is the path that I'm going to pursue. And, um, just being able to be more confident in the like little, I don't know, nuances and like nerdy, quirky things about me. Yeah.
0: Mm. <laughs> yeah. I think especially, in, like, the college time frame, that when you're kind of um, when you have those elements of who you are that are really clear to you, it can be super polarizing and very difficult to communicate to the outside world, yeah. And it creates this inner conflict, like, for me, um. I've had parts of myself that I have embraced more and more as time's gone on, as I've gone through traumatic events, as I've gone through life as an athlete, Mm -hmm. as I've gone through failures in my life and all these different things, my path. In college, I submitted to the environment, Mm -hmm. which was one of the great regrets of my (laughs) life, right? And went through this big soul searching period of my life into my early twenties and like mid Mm twenties. And so... I just admire so much someone who in that environment, which I know is so challenging for so many people Mm -hmm. because it's a lonely journey to know yourself yeah, and to feel deep down to your core that they're like in an unrelenting way, you cannot change that you have to be who you are, Mm -hmm. regardless of who's around you, regardless of whether or not it's going against the grain of the environment. And I just admire that so much. Um, (laughs) But I think, you know, going beyond kind of the pre-accident, uh, for anyone out there who is unaware of what happened in 2017, can you give a breakdown of the accident that that happened in Norway?
1: Yeah. And so just like a quick thing, too, to kind of sum up the, like the, what you just described is like, I mean, I think it came to the point where I I was... I knew these things about me, myself, and it maybe wasn't the, like, accepted or popular kind of um, path. But I, I almost, I, I, like, I couldn't be any other way because it felt, it felt to, I would go to, I would still go to parties. But then, like, I would keep on doing the Irish goodbye because, like, that felt good to me. That mm-hmm. I could kind of, like do something a little bit and then still be like, nope, okay, I've reached my fill. And then here, here I am. And the more I did that, the more courage it gave me to just be, to just be myself. Yeah. Even if other people didn't understand it. And that also like that went into my athletic career. So when I went into grad school and I was, um, basically I had earned my, like done all the requirements, like earned my PhD. Um, and four years, I had published enough papers, like done my, you know, thesis project, however my, and I had started to run in grad school, but my like thesis advisor was like, hey, you need to like do like a couple more years of like busy work to like finish this up. And I was like, just unwilling to do it. And so I just, I told myself, I'm gonna take a chance and I'm going to get my master's degree and I'm going to take a chance on running. and I'm going to like take a year and see where it leads. Hmm. And again, this is, like, people had pushback. Because it's, like, you know, my parents, like, what are you doing? Like, you know, okay, like, sure, like, have a little sabbatical year. Cool. Like, they didn't think it was going to last. I mean, I didn't know if it was going to either. But I took that chance on it. And basically that summer I packed my bags and I um, lived in Europe. And that's kind of, like, the cadence that I was doing. Like, every, every summer I'd go to Europe and compete in this thing called the Sky Running Series. And I, again, it's like a, it's like a lonely night life to like know yourself, but this is something that made me extremely happy. And I was, and I wanted to see what, where it was going to go. And, um, I started competing on this world circuit. The first year I did it, I was, um, fifth in the world at sky running. It's like this, um, pretty technical, like mountain running. I was in the ultra division. So I was like a 50 K. So like 31 miles, you would gain about like. 12,000 to 14,000 feet in the course of that. <laughs> and then you have insane. to run down it too. Um, so pretty technical mountainous terrain. And then that was 2015. And then 2016, I was, again, like, like, was working as a professor during the the year. And then I'd pack up my bags and live in Europe for three months and for a little bit longer and, like, do the the Skyrunning World Series circuit I was third, um, and then in 2017, I actually, I was still, like, doing this whole competitive athlete thing, um, I was actually ranked number one in the world, and I was competing in one of the finale, the final races, in Norway, in Tromso, Norway, um, at this Rock and Sky race, and it's, like, a very technical race, I mean, it's the kind of stuff that I love, but there was, like, this ridgeline um, at the halfway point of the race. In fact, I hadn't even reached the halfway point. And it's, I mean, it's nothing crazy. It's, like, stuff I've practiced on. It's, like, third class at best. So you're, like, using a hand to maybe stabilize yourself as you're kind of, like, fast hiking slash, like, you know, kind of jumping over little like, rocks or, like, trying to move fast on this train, And something... I don't know what, but, like, it was something unlike anything else I've ever experienced. Because normally when you trip or, like, fall, you can kind of, like, see it coming and, like, brace yourself. But this was, like, someone pulled the rug out from underneath me. And, like, one minute I was running and then, like, with the next step I was, like, airborne and, like, the horizon was upside down. And it was, like, I remember myself, like, the world slowing down and, like, me telling myself that I was falling and, like, to... I was literally, like, walking myself through, like, brace for impact, like, try to stop yourself, and then that would, like, repeat as I kind of, like, tomahawked through the air, and I ended up falling 150 feet during this race. It was I was lucky because people saw it happen, and so they kind of, like, came down to find me, um, but yeah, I was, like, helicopter rescued mm-hmm. um, to Trumso. I was, like... I was lucky to be alive. I mean, I broke 14 bones, like, my back, um, both arms. Like, I had, like, so many stitches, like, too many to count. I'd severed my quad in, like, three places on one side. And, like, my – like, I was, it was, like, cut down to the bone on my other quad. Like, it was just – um it's pretty intense. Um, but, like I said, I was, like, I was super lucky to be alive. But this was, like, that moment where – life was now different mm-hmm. after this and, like, this life that I took a chance on. You know, I told myself I'd give myself a year. And three years later, I was, like, literally ranked number one in the world at this thing. And I was unsure if I was going to be able to, like, walk again or, you know, what, what my life was going to look like, let alone from a competitive athlete point yeah. of view.
0: Well, I remember in the book you – as you're describing the scene and the aid that came to rescue and the mm. helicopter hovering over the ridge mm. and just that period, there's a moment where you describe the conversation that you had with yourself, mm-hmm. where you, you say internally, Hillary, this, you're, you're dying. This yeah. is it. It'll all be over soon.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I just like broke down
1: yeah.
0: as I was going through that part. But,
1: I know. You know I, I, it's like a dream I still have. And like, yeah. sometimes it's like, yeah, sometimes, I mean, sometimes it's still as hard to talk about because yeah. it's like.
0: Which if we hit anything no, that's too tough, let me a, know. It's okay. I'll um, just start
1: crying. It's fine. Me too. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, obviously you made it through. Yeah. Uh, thank God.
1: <laughs> Surprise. And,
0: <laughs> and And really, you know, that was the start of this new path for you that I think has has created such a a depth to your life as an athlete and as a person that we can all learn from you know and and I'm really thankful that you took the time to write a book to describe not only the accident and surviving the accident but the path forward because a lot of people um Whether they go through a life-altering injury like that or they go through a traumatic experience with, you know, family member passing away or spouse or, you know, whatever it is, the path forward is so uncertain and hard to navigate that I think when people who have towed that line and walked that path leave a trail for other people, Hmm. it is so deeply valuable. So thank you for doing that. But so after you survived the initial accident, you're in the hospital. You have no internal bleeding, which is remarkable. Insane.
1: I mean, I don't know how that happened.
0: Yeah. When you said that in the book, I was like, oh, my God. That's insane. You (laughs) know, it's afraid of like like a
1: spleen, like rupturing or, you know, stuff like that. Like, I've like, no. Yeah. And like my, I mean, I broke a lot of bones. I didn't break my femur. Like, I didn't break all the other stuff. So uh, everyone listening, do your strength work. Yeah. (laughs) Well, and... (laughs)
0: That's something that I would like to get into, yeah, kind of the um, well, before we dive into that, yeah, the initial stages of going through the accident, um, you're in the hospital, and those those early phases of recovery, you were in a completely vulnerable state, which for someone who is so self defined and <laughs> certain of who they are, I think leading into an event like that, that had to be one of the most challenging things that you experienced throughout the whole process. Can you talk a little bit about the value of the vulnerability that you experienced Mm -hmm. and what you've taken back from kind of set the scene with that? Mm -hmm. Um, and then talk about, you know, some of the, some of the values that you pulled from that experience.
1: Yeah. So I'm someone who – it's hard for me to ask for help. Um, You know, my air conditioning just broke, so, like, I know who to, like, call. If I have, like, an an, an engineer friend, I'm like, I can ask for help with that. Like, a math problem if I was in school or, like – but, like, other things. Like, I felt – like, running was a way and, like, being an athlete, it was a way that I could just be so capable. And I had a lot of pride – Um, And my ability to like, you know, see a peak and be able to like run up it. And like, you know, that was like, that was just, it was like a form of self-expression. And it just something that made me feel very powerful and capable. And when that was like, when that was, I felt like it was taken away from me when it was just, you know, one minute I was literally at the top of my game. Like the, like super fit, like winning the world Skyrunning series, like a goal that I had set for myself and unsure if I was able, going to be able to accomplish it. And then the next day, like, I was in a hospital bed. I literally couldn't get up to pee. Like, I couldn't even move. Like, I had never broken a bone before. And, like, I had broken a lot at once. And <laughs> it was so humbling because, and then that was that was the beginning of it. Like, I was two weeks in the hospital and, like, like, the fifth day was the first time I was able to get out of my hospital bed and, like, sit in the chair next to it. Um, and eat my breakfast, and then, you know, I had to have a walker, and, like, um, getting home was an insane adventure, like, like, being carried in and out of the airplane, in a wheelchair. Um, I'd never been that injured before, and I just felt worthless. I felt hopeless. I felt helpless, and um, that persisted for a lot longer than I wanted it to, um, Mm. or I expected it to, and, it was super humbling because I had to have someone bathe me. You know, it's like, that's, it's just like the ultimate, the ultimate thing. Um, And I'm like, I remember when, I remember when my dad got really injured and I've always seen him as a super strong guy and he had like back surgery and something went wrong and he was like septic and like, yeah, he almost died. Like, this is going to make me cry. But like, I remember when my mother had to like, He had, like, a pick line and, like, had to, like... I just remember this first time he was super weak. So, it's, like, it tells you about, like, the vulnerability and, like, the fragility of life. And I was feeling that in, like, a really, really, um... Just, like, raw and intense way. Because I couldn't... I could not get over it. I couldn't get around it. Like, every day I'd wake up and... Like I like I had to have my scooter by my bed to like go to the bathroom, or like you know I couldn't fall, like I couldn't like lift anything with my wrists because both of those are broken, so I couldn't like cook, like everything that you would think that you can do like on a daily basis that like makes you human, I couldn't do. So it was it was like um humbling. I mean. I think that's like a word that's not the best to describe it. It's like it's it's terrifying and it's like it makes me want to be able to do the Irish goodbye but like not be able to. Like I wanted to escape it so badly, but I couldn't. Huh. So um it's like I I felt like trapped almost like in my own body. Like if that But, like, then it was just so hard because there was all these people that wanted to help me. But it was so hard to accept that help because then it made me feel even more, like, reliant and, like, trapped. And, like, it was just this, like, really, really awful cycle. Hmm. And so the more I fought it, obviously, the harder it became, you know. And um, so, like, basically... Because I was just – I was, like, almost – I was, like, fighting that vulnerability. I was fighting – feeling that weakness. Like, I wanted – I wanted to escape it so badly. But then the more – I think there was this point where it's, like, okay – I was doing a lot of writing at that time like journaling was my one escape because it was like I always joke like my handwriting is so bad that it's like just this like cryptic thing that like only I could read so I could like write whatever the hell I wanted in there like I could just like (laughs) rip people a new one who were like right like right next to me and I was just like writing these awful things I was like they'll never know because they can't read it anyways (laughs) but no my like journaling was like my escape so I could kind of like write about things like my fears and like how frustrated I was. But then there's this one moment where I was writing. And I was like, okay, well, Hillary, what if you try something different? Cause this is obviously not working. Like, what if you try to lean into it? And what if you try to like, you don't have to let everyone help you, but why don't you let like your mom or like, you know, people that you, you know, or like that you feel this closeness to, like, what if you let them help you and what will that feel like? And so When I started to do that and kind of like lean into that vulnerability, um, it actually, it started to feel, it started to feel better. It started to feel, um, it was like, like an expression of love. Like I I was able to actually, because I think with me fighting it, I was also like pushing away these people who were trying to help me. And... I mean, I'm, like, I, like I'm like i an introvert. I'm, like, stubborn. I'm very, like, driven. I like to do, like, what I like to do. So it's, like, yeah, I mean, I sound, like, kind of, like, an ogre. I'm just, like, this, like, solo person who, like, this, like, lone wolf who, like, just doesn't want people to help her and all this other stuff. But, like, I was kind of, like, realizing that. I was, like, Hillary, if you keep on doing that, like, you're just going to be alone. And, like, what, like, life is meant to be shared. And, like, these people are trying to help you because... They're trying to express love in some way. And you accepting that help actually is like another expression of of love and community. And I think when that's something that was really hard for me to learn and to swallow. But um, the more I did that, that feeling of being trapped inside my own body and like in this, you know, this like being like robbed of my mobility, right? It kind of that it softened. And, um, it was actually really beautiful because throughout this whole, that whole process, which like, you know, not having my mobility and like all like being reliant on other people, I gained some friendships that I still have to this day. And like, just like, you know, people that like this intimacy that people like, that I could now have with, with someone that before I think I was, I was not engaging and, I was unable to actually um to kind of go there with people. Hmm. Like it, it kind of opened up this, opened up this door. And I really now like before I would think of like being vulnerable as like pathetic and like weak and like, oh my gosh, you're just this helpless person who has to have like, like very negative. Right. Like I would say, I mean, I would say these things to myself when I was going through this, hmm. but now like changing that, how I how I viewed it and how I, like, spoke about it, I really think that vulnerability is, like, one of the most, like, courageous and beautiful and, like, strong things that you can do. Like, I'm strong enough to be vulnerable with this person and, like, let them see me at my worst. And sometimes, this is also the, also the other beautiful thing, sometimes another person wasn't, like, willing to to meet me where I was or, like, it was a little bit maybe too much for them. Um, I remember there was a moment when I told my mom that I wished the accident would have killed me because, like, it was, that seemed like an escape, you know, because right now my my reality was, like, so hard.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And, you know, instead of, like, writing it off or saying, no, 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 like, Hillary, like, you don't want to, like, you don't wish that, like... She's like, yeah, I understand, you know? And she, like, sat with me in it. And, like, they're... Holy shit. I know. They were like, you know, of course it made her cry. And, like, of course that's not what she wanted. But she could understand. And, like, there are a few people that, like, could let me say those really scary things that I was feeling. And those really real emotions. And not, like, trying to just, like, brush it off. But actually, like, understand it. And then, like, work with me through it. And, like, that's the ultimate vulnerability. And it like really showed me who was my my who are my people and who you know could maybe be my like support network, but like you know they're they're a little bit further away. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't think I would have been able to like learn that lesson if I wasn't um, completely stripped down to like nothing. And I mean, this is like kind of what we talked about at the very beginning. Is like this is why going through injuries and recovery is, I don't think it gets any easier. Like I do have the tools to deal with it, but it's still very hard because you go through all these very raw emotions and like this, like these this, these vulnerabilities, like maybe it just like brings up different ones.
0: Yeah. And I think that although you build tools through previous experience, you also develop a filter through which you view your current circumstances. Yeah. So, you know, it's a, it's almost like you're, you're in an ultra endurance event and you think that you're past the peak. And oh, and then it's like a <laughs> false summit. Oh yeah. And it's a false summit. And it's oh, like, every time God. it happens, like I thought I fucking learned that lesson already. Like yes. let it go.
1: Yes. Like, it let keeps, me
0: move beyond this.
1: Yes. It keeps happening. Where's the Good summit. Yeah. Yes. I feel that. Yeah. yeah.
0: Um, Getting back to the comment that you made, with your mom, which yeah. is a really difficult one, and if you don't want to talk about this, we don't have to. But um, you wrote that down in the book, and I thought that that was a a remarkably vulnerable thing to express, which is a wishing that you had died in the accident, in light of the path that you knew you had ahead of you. Mm-hmm. There are so many people out there. I mean, I've been touched and so many different people have been touched by suicide and suicidal ideation and all these different things. Why do you think – first of all, why do you think you're still here and why do you think that it was important for you to deny that thought and move forward with your life?
1: Yeah, you know, and I think – yeah, it's it's hard for me to write that. And I think there is a distinction. Like it wasn't I wasn't having
0: And I, I wanna be clear. I'm not saying that you had suicidal ideation, right. but it's more so like
1: But it's but it's true. I mean I think it's important to say that. Like I didn't I didn't have that, but I but like I was questioning why. Like why I was searching for the answer. Like, first of all, like why did I fall? Right. Like accidents happen. I know this. It's like I was I also put this in the book. It's like, you know, second law of thermodynamics, like entropy is increasing. Like that's why I fell. Like it's like it makes sense from like a scientific perspective. That's but the like the
0: nerdiest thing that you could possibly. Like say. it's the one
1: it's, it's the one explanation that makes sense to me. Um but
0: I have a follow-up question.
1: I think it. it's beautiful. But like, but um I was still searching for this this why. And like it's hard because I think like the it felt like I said, an escape. Like I didn't, I wasn't going to take my life. I, w- I wasn't thinking about that. But like, I was like, why? Like, didn't I? Be- why didn't that? Why didn't I just die in this thing where I know some other people who've had mountain accidents, who've gotten like way more injured than me, who've died, who've been paralyzed. Like, why me? And like, and like I said, it seemed like an escape because the current recovery and like, I read this book. I actually have it over there on my bookshelf. Um, Deep Survival by Lawrence Gonzalez. And it's um, one of my favorite books. I think I even put this in my book.
0: Mm-hmm, you did.
1: Um, talking about how survival isn't about actually surviving said accident. It's about everything else that happens, like, after you survive the accident. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And because it's like you're reckoning with all of these just fundamental questions about life and um so I think the reason why I needed to express that and say that I I wished that it was kind of a thing it's like well I but I also know that I can't change it and this is my reality and like I'm also faced with the choice like what do I do now like do I do I continue to fight or do I just kind of like let this like wash over me and let this thing that I had no control over happen um, do I let that, like, control my future? Or do I get some say, like, um, in, in like, where I want my life to go? And I think that was the first step, honestly, like, being at that super low point and in, and, like, kind of wishing that were to happen. Like, that was the first step of me, like, choosing the direction of, like, where I wanted to put my energy. And I think that was, like, a big, you know... A big point. And I mean, I think people can interpret it as like, you know, if you know, if whether you're like, you know, religious or not. I mean, I'm a very spiritual, spiritual person. That and my I follow up question. Yeah. So it's like, I think for that, it's like, I mean, they're like, I'm here for a reason.
0: Why, Why do you think that is?
1: Maybe maybe it's just, like, dumb luck with my, like, entropy law, like I just <laughs> described. But, like, um, regardless, I'm here. And so it's, like, then I'm faced with the choice. And it's, like, then I want to learn as much as I can. And then I want – and then, and I think that's, like, part of why I wrote a book is because, like, I wanted to help other people. Like, if they're struggling with – you don't have to fall off a cliff, but, like, you know, like, injury and, like, what that – what that means and like if you're struggling in a hard moment in life like that like resilience like it, it doesn't have to break you right like it, you might want it to break you and to like end things but like you also have the choice to become stronger and different and a new person and i think like i said i'm 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 here and i think for for a reason and i and i like i'm i like like to teach other people and i think to like to, sh- to show other people that you're stronger than you think you are. And I mean, I think that was even like at the very, like there's like a dedication in the bigger, the, in the beginning of the book. But if I can affect, like, if I can positively influence, you know, like one person that I feel like it's, then I've done my job because mm-hmm. like, and I've had many mentors in life, right. Who have just been, like life, life changing and like people that I just love so dearly because they've like taken the time to teach me something that's important in life. Like there's a difference between, you know, like I like getting older, you just have, you just have this wisdom and like, I want to be able to share that. And I think that's like, that's literally, I think like the purpose in life, like legacy, right? Like I don't want to be known for like, I'm probably going to be known for the girl who fell off cliff, whatever. But like, (laughs) <laughs> what I what I want to know, what I actually want to be remembered for is like my resilience and my impact on other people and like that that legacy right and of course that's gonna fade but like um I think that's one of the most important things in life is being able to to teach other people and um doesn't mean that you have they have to avoid hardships themselves but it's like how you can how you can navigate them and. Um, I think that's, that's a why, at least that's like what I hold on to of like, it's a pretty cool gift that I've been able to, you know, live to tell the, t- to tell the tale. Mm-hmm. So
0: I've started to label, cause I've got some punctuations in my life that are definitely not like the cliff that you fell off of, but mm. very life altering, um, experiences. And I've kind of labeled them the thief and the giver. I like that. and. It's a thief because it steals it robs you of you know preconceptions that you had about what life is all about or who you were or the things that are important yeah. um or sometimes it robs you of your physical ability or you know things that you previously took for granted, but it gives you so much on the back end if you walk the path mm-hmm. and it seems as though you know, you've you've accomplished your mission of impacting one person in a positive <laughs> way. And you've certainly you certainly will leave a legacy of resilience. Um and I think that your resilience was shown in in quite a few different ways. And one of the most profound ones is in the way that you describe day one of survival. So in the part of your book where you're talking about deep survival, you talk about day one of survival, which is the first day where you don't have your oh scooter. Gosh, yes. And so you are going to, <laughs> you go through this. Um, and, and I think for anyone who's gone through a really public traumatic experience, yeah. you have this immediate response. It's like a, a heroic response from a large group of people who know what's going on. And it's like this super hyper intense period where people are helpful and Mm. focused on you and you get this big tidal wave of love and support and then especially with something that you have to endure for a long period of time slowly over time that support fades and you start to see who the the real people are who are in your corner and and as time goes on especially if you go through a physical injury like you did you start to lose the identifiers or the things that Actually, uh, make it clear that you're going through Mm -hmm. something really hard for a lot of people who are going through emotional trauma. They never have those identifiers. Yes. And so day one of survival for you, you describe as not being the day that you fell off the cliff or even the day that you're in the hospital or any of that, but more so the first day that people couldn't physically identify or visually identify Mm -hmm. that you went through a traumatic experience. Can Mm -hmm. you talk about that day and what that experience was like?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think you described it really well. And honestly, it's like, to be honest, I still feel like that day one, even now, right? Like, because I'm, you know, I'm running again, I'm cycling, I'm doing all this stuff. But like, it's still like, I still feel it, like my body feels different than it did before the accident, So in many ways, it still feels like day one because it's like, and it's, I'm still like very, you know, very public. So it's like people can see me running, but like, you know, they necessarily don't know how it feels or like if it feels different or, you know, and like then all the other, you know, injuries and things that I've gone through. So like that can, that can be quite difficult because it's this thing, there's no, there's no, you know, physical identifiers, but I still feel different and I'm still trying to like you know, navigate that and, you know, try, still trying to be the best version of myself, but also, like, sometimes feeling sad that I, that I have these, um, you know, pretty big, like, I don't know, like, dings on my, like, in my armor, um, But it also taught me so much because it's, like, it was this moment with this, like, realization where I was, like, looking at the, I remember, like, that first moment when I was, like, walking down Pearl Street without my cast and without my scooter and I was, you know, like, just feeling so raw and, like, I didn't want people to touch me because I was afraid I was, like, gonna, like, they're, like, I was gonna fall or, like, it was just, it was just this really intense feeling and then. I was looking around at all these people and I was like, well, I have no idea what they're going through, like what they just went through. And it was just this like epiphany moment where it's like, everyone's going through something and it's a, it's like a way of like having a bit more grace, like with my, with myself and what I'm going through. Like I said, I still sometimes feel like it's day one for me, but then having grace and, you know, just being patient with myself and, um... Yeah, I think just, like, being more kind to hmm. myself, but then also to others and, like, having a little bit more understanding for that, like, life is hard for everyone. Like, everyone has their proverbial cliff that they've fallen off of and they're trying to kind of, like, get back. And just because we have those, like I said, dings in our armor, it doesn't make us, like, different. I think I think it makes us, like, more beautiful. Like, I don't... um, and a constant reminder that I have is like I still have these like crazy scars like all over my body. Mm-hmm. And you know, some people I joke, some people have tattoos, but I have scars. <laughs> and it's like, you know, it's like a reminder of like I think resilience and like um Yeah, and it doesn't have to be this tragic thing of like, oh, I'm going through this thing and I feel like I'm just I'm just trying to survive. Everyone is trying to survive, but it's also just like opportunities to learn how capable you are. Um yeah.
0: Hmm. It's a very powerful experience. And I think for someone who, I just think that when I have read your book and I've read kind of the story that you put out, I don't know if that was the whole story. Um, I'm sure there were some parts that were left out, but <laughs> it seems like that was like, if you were, if this all happened for a reason hmm. and you were to learn a singular lesson or mm-hmm. a handful of lessons. It seems like that was certainly one of them. You know, it's, yeah. it's such a powerful thing. I, I thought that that was just such a, a great part of the book and a great descriptor for taking a very challenging. Cause I think when you go through such a hard thing, personally, the focus that you have to have just to make it to the point that you are in. And this to some degree, some the selfishness that you have to mm-hmm. embody to make sure that you guide yourself forward and like those deeper parts of yourself that you have to dive into just to persevere, it can close you off to the experiences of others. Oh, yeah. You know, and, yeah. it, and it's one of those things that – I just thought that that was really cool, that <laughs> that was like one of the epiphanies that you had. It was one of those things that like you go so deep inside yourself – persevere and that takes you into this place where you go through that secondary wave of like holy shit no one even knows that what i just went through Mm because i no longer have this Mm -hmm. you know uniform on that tells people that i'm going through a really hard thing exactly you know and
1: body armor (laughs) (laughs) yeah
0: and that just that seemed like a really powerful lesson um and so as you move forward from that day you went through a big physical therapy rehab process you ultimately came back to running Um, and we're doing very well in running once again. Yeah. Uh Only like 18 months out of the whole experience, which for people that were like around you and in the running world at that time, it just had to be the most mind blowing thing yeah. to see you hauled off in a helicopter and then 18 months later, you know, know. back in the mix. Yeah. But after you made the comeback, you experienced a secondary ankle injury you fractured mm-hmm. your ankle and this was in 2019 mm-hmm. um, talk a little bit about that experience and how that experience was unique in terms of just the challenge of it
1: mm-hmm. you know having
0: gone through that that initial, very very hard experience yeah thinking that that's over with making the return making the heroic return and then having like another chink in the armor
1: yeah it's like the hero's journey it's like oh yeah like i'm back psych um (laughs) but yeah i remember that i was just gaining momentum and training i had like i had done some races Mm -hmm. i had like some really hard races on the calendar and I slipped on the ice literally a block from two blocks from my house and I broke my ankle and I remember knowing exactly like what was wrong and I was like crying ugly tears and I was just like I don't know if I could do this again because like I knew again like what you described is like this like you have to go to these like dark places and like you kind of have to shut yourself off to recover and like get back because it's like it just requires so much energy and so but I would say that, like, this time I had the tools. And, like, although it felt like it was only one bone that was broken this time. Like, I was still on crutches in winter. And, like, it was just ridiculously hard. Um, but I did have the tools. I knew what I needed to do. I had the PT. I had, like, my, like, the, the community. Like, my, my people. And this is also a gift because this is when I started writing my book. I was almost like re it's like, you know, it's like meth I forget what it's called, like method acting or something. If you really yeah. like this is like basically You're what I was living out the character. Yes, this is basically what I was doing. I was able to kind of re like to to uh. reengage engage with those like really dark emotions. And like I at oh, that time I had like applied for and this is so ironic because I had literally this ankle break happened in February, end of January. And I'd already reached out to a publisher because I was like, and had like my book idea accepted, but I hadn't started writing it yet. And this was like the perfect opportunity. And at this point I'd also, um, applied to do a TEDxCU talk and, um, you know, I was like laid up, couldn't really do stuff. So I was like, you know, writing and I was like reengaging with those like really dark emotions and being able to kind of like put myself in that position again and, as I was coming out of it, I got to kind of write my recovery journey and reflect on what that was like as I was currently going through one. And, um, it was also this, this, this like gift that came from like a really dark place and moment. Um, yeah.
0: Yeah. In some ways, I think, um, for me in the experiences that I've had, When I've gone through something that has been life altering and very challenging, I have rushed. As soon as I was emotionally available to take on hard things, I immediately rushed back into them Mm -hmm. and forgot about everything that happened and just moved on. Yeah. And it was, I had an experience back in like, this is probably 2018. Yeah. 2018. That was was really challenging. And then I moved on from that so fast. And this was like a, a six to 12 month period that like changed my life, changed yeah. me fundamentally. And I moved on from that as soon as I could mm-hmm. and totally disrespected the whole process. And it took the pandemic yeah. and going through the pandemic to wear me down to a degree that I finally looked back. And I was like, holy shit, I have not dealt with any of this at all.
1: Mm. I haven't, Mm
0: -hmm. I haven't, I've, I processed it just to get through it, but I haven't really done the work. And I think that those are, you know, that, that secondary, that like aftershock is a gift to force you to look back and really like hold on to the value that comes from going through such a hard thing, such a hard experience.
1: Uh-huh. I mean, I feel that 100%. I think that's also why, like, some of the – all of, the, like, the recurrence of injuries have been so hard because it's, like, there's still more to learn, mm-hmm. right? And I think I I was guilty of that as well, right? Like, wanting to kind of get back to this thing but, like, not – but, like, kind of for, forget. But it's, like, I, I can't forget what happened, right? It's, like, these – these reminders that I have to keep engaging with these different parts of myself. And like, I mean, just a couple weeks ago, it was like the 60 year anniversary of my, of the fall. And it like, it hit me so hard, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's like, and it's something that I don't ever want to forget about, um, because it's taught me so much and it's still painful to like, think about. It's mm-hmm. still painful to like, learn those lessons and think about them. And, um, but yeah, but it's something I think that those two things can coexist. Like, Being grateful and happy that I survived and that, like, I've learned all of these amazing things from it. Like, really viewing it as a gift and also still being sad that it happened and that, like, I'm different and changed, right? Yeah. Yeah.
0: I think, yeah, I mean, I would imagine it's one of those things that you don't want to define who you are forever. Like, you certainly don't want to be, you know, reliving that all the time with Mm -hmm. people and just have that be who you are. Yeah. Um, but it's like, it's that, it's that relationship with it where you, you hold on to what's valuable because I think like those experiences give you gifts mm-hmm. that very few people get.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, but it, it all, it's also so important to like, hang on to the lessons and then continue redefining who you are as you move forward and, you know, really mm-hmm. carving out a path for yourself that you're proud of, you know, in light of what's happened. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm curious with er- with everything that's gone on in your life and what happened in 2017 and beyond, what's your perspective on impermanence yeah. and mortality?
1: Oh man. I mean, that I'm definitely mortal. Like I mean that like that this this will end at some point.
0: Has that changed your perspective on sport and life in general? Yeah. Like the things that you want to get done or the path that you want to follow.
1: For sure. I mean, like it hasn't made me it hasn't made me like, hurry the process, if that makes any sense. Like, oh, okay. I think at first it did. At first I was like, oh, my gosh, I've got to make up for lost time. All these other people that I'm competing against, they didn't have this break. Like, I've got to keep going. I've definitely felt that. Um, But, you know, I honestly, it's kind of this, like, weird acceptance. I had to – I did not know if I was going to be able to make it back to elite-level sport, and I had to – I had to accept that, that I knew it was going to end at some point and that I had to be okay with that. And I think it's it's honestly helped me to engage in other interests. I have a ton of other interests besides sports and to like water and feed those other parts of me and like understand that I still want to like devote a lot of time to like this opportunity that I have to compete because I know it won't last forever. But it actually, it kind of, It just made it even more bittersweet not to hurry or rush the process, but to enjoy it and to like, but also not be afraid when it comes to an end, because I know that it will. I think there's a lot of athletes, especially pro athletes that have a really hard time transitioning out of competition. And I'm sure that will be hard for me. But like the biggest gift that I had was like being able to fall in love with running and sport all over again. And throughout all of these injuries I've been able to like discover new sports and things that I love and like mm-hmm. other activities. And I'm like, this is awesome. So it's like the world of sport is, is so vast and it's not all only reliant on being an elite athlete. And so like when that happens it's I've kind of like accepted this impermanence and like this mortality about, you know, just that's the human condition. And I think we're meant to change and grow and, um, you know shift and um adjust our goals yeah. and i have this i had this whole thing like in the book of like believe that your best athletic days are ahead of you and it was this thing that i started riding like really early on in my recovery um and it's something that i t- still truly believe that even if i'm like no longer pring or like winning races my athletic days are still ahead of me because it's constantly changing and evolving and you can like do something new learn something new do a different route it's like timeless and ageless it's like i think one of the coolest things and um yeah my accident really taught me that that's cool (laughs) and people might just be like especially with runners like whatever it's like if you're not pring then you should just give up but like honestly sport is so much more to that sport can teach you so much And I've learned so much more from the failures and not being able to do sport than I have in the moments that I've been winning.
0: Yeah. I mean, my my personal perspective. And I'm not even close to a professional athlete and have have submitted into this perspective. (laughs) But (laughs) uh, I mean, I just see sport as this. It's a it's a synthetic environment where we get to practice the values that we live out in Mm. life. Mm. So we're given these circumstances in sport, which this analogy doesn't totally work because you almost lost your life in sport, (laughs) your real life. But, uh, I think, you know, it's a, it's a practice ground for perseverance, determination, hard work, um,
1: Being stubborn. Reckoning with failure.
0: Yeah. You know? Yeah. There's just so many things that are valuable about sport beyond competition. Mm -hmm. And I think this becomes very confusing if you're paid to compete. But for me, that's that's really what sport is all about. Like I surf is kind of Mm -hmm. my primary thing. And I've never competed in surfing and never would want to. Mm -hmm. But the things that I've learned about myself through the practice of surfing. Yeah. And I do view it as like it's this – it's like an essential uh, micronutrient for me. Like yeah. I have to have it, you know, Yeah. Uh, for whatever reason. But I think that's largely because of the things that I've learned from it over the years. And yeah. I know, you know, there's, there's uh, as long as we're alive, there's kind of an eternity to that. Like mm-hmm. that that is true to the long game in sport in my mind. Mm-hmm. There's always going to be like some degree of uh, – I think, um, a finite amount of competition that you can do and, you know, the way that you participate in that, but the lessons are always there in sport and the willingness to be a novice and take on new things and step into, you know, other sports as a way of stepping into other parts of who you Mm -hmm. are is such a revealing and valuable journey that I think, you know, I, I, this podcast is really all about encouraging people to do that Love is that. to like yeah. seek that out. Right. Yeah. Um, and I think for someone who was at the very pointy end of their sport and still is, um, I would imagine that's one of the greatest challenges. It's like you get so pigeonholed into one environment and like this thing that you do so freaking well and yeah. everybody knows you as this person that does this thing really well. <sighs> that it like almost robs you and which is why I think what you're doing now of like stepping into cycling and you know, these other events that are outside of your wheelhouse as we talked about before are, are, is such a beautiful thing. It's because you are making yourself available to these other values that sport can bring to your mm-hmm. life, yeah. which I think is really cool.
1: I love how you said that. Yeah. I love how you said all of that. Cause it's like, it's something that I, I truly believe it's like, one of the reasons I love sport and got back to it is just like wanted to get back to it. Cause I feel like it's like a way just like express like, or like the best version or like be to be the best version of myself, like, or at least to try, you know, to try to like, you know, sometimes you'll try and you fail, but like, that doesn't mean it's like not a successful day or a pursuit, you know? Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And most of those days are the ones that are
1: teach you the most that teach you the most
0: for sure <laughs> yeah you know and it's it's tough to like especially in the moment when you're close to it it's difficult to accept the lesson yeah and I think that it takes a lot of introspection and like that difficult deep work to really make yourself available mm. to that pain the painful failure that sport can bring is in my mind the most valuable thing about sport it is is it is a simulation of like real world failure
1: mm-hmm. you
0: know it's it's it teaches you it teaches you things about navigating failure that can be extrapolated into who you show up as in your real life mm-hmm. with your family and your friends and your circle and yeah. and yourself, you yeah. know, which I think is, is really valuable.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, well, I think I've asked you all the questions that I wanted to ask you about <laughs> I think your book. you've covered a
1: lot of stuff. Yeah.
0: We've covered a lot. Um, but I think, you know, as like a final note, I'm just, again, super grateful that you wrote the book <laughs> and really grateful that you're continuing to put on display, Every element of your journey, you know, it'd be really easy to write a book like that and then kind of leave that as the final note and not let people into some of the experiences that you've had that have been really challenging after the fact. Um, But I'm just really appreciative for you and the way that you show up, not only for the endurance community, but for people in general And like I said before, I think that you have accomplished your goal of positively impacting not just one, but many, many people with this book. And for anyone out there who has not checked out the book, I think that it's an essential read. I I just think that there are so many things that you brought back from that journey that I think are deeply powerful and imperative for really anyone who's going through traumatic experiences or challenges in their life. I just think that it's an essential book. So oh, thank, thank you for writing you. that
1: book. Well, thank you for reading it. I'm really <laughs> glad you got so much out of it. <laughs>
0: yes. Well, so what's on tap. We talked a little bit about the races that you have coming mm-hmm. up. Um, where can people find and follow you online?
1: Yeah. So, um, my website's a good stop. It's Hillary So that's, that's easy. Yep. Um, but then also, I mean, I do all this stuff, um,
0: Talk about what? all of it. Plug yourself. Okay. Well,
1: yeah. So my website, but I have um I have a newsletter. So that's I I do some regular like, writing there, um and that's some kind of cool ways to kind of follow me with the other stuff I'm doing. Um, like race announcements. There's some cool things to follow on there with the sponsors that I have. Um, Instagram is another good one. I'm Hilly Goat underscore climbs until he goes my nickname and um <laughs> yeah and that those are the two main places um but yeah I'm actually gonna come up with some some cool stuff um like I said that's like my website has all like the coaching stuff that I do like links to my book
0: but Can you talk about the coaching that you do
1: yeah so um basically I mean I have a degree in neuroscience and physiology so like big science nerd background um and I started coaching actually in graduate school, uh, running specifically when I started to run just cause I really like it. It's like a, a big way to like give back to a community, but it was more in a group setting. But now I do individualized coaching. Um, and I'm going to be launching some kind of new stuff. Uh, whether it's like, you just want kind of a plan to follow or, um, kind of the personalized stuff. That's what I recommend. Cause it's like, it's just, it's just nice. Like, I have a coach and I mean, my life is like a moving target. And like, if people are balancing family and like, you know, personal life and work life and, you know, goals to train for, to, for a race, it's always nice to have someone in your corner. Um, So yeah, that's what I do. And then at office, obviously it can, you know, pick my brain about like injury recovery, multi-sport <laughs> stuff, like There's nutrition, like all of this stuff. It's just, it's one of my passions and I really, really like, cool. um, Kind of giving back to the community in that way. So,
0: and have you officially launched that yet, or is that?
1: Coming yeah, so right? I, I have it, but I'm just going to be launching some kind of like new stuff uh, cool. on my website in the coming months. Um, and yeah, like looking out for that, like the the other like the coaching, like kind of the, the life coaching part of it. So too, yeah. it doesn't have to just be centered around sport. Um, Very cool. But yeah,
0: we'll post all that stuff in the show notes to okay. make sure people can find you. Cool. I think we've covered. Yeah. <laughs> more than our share today. This yeah. was fantastic. This
1: is so great. Thanks Thank so you much. Thank you so much for yeah. doing this. All right. That's it's a wrap. It's been such a pleasure.